Alright, well this morning we're going to, I want to minister to you on the topic of being victorious. And I've entitled it, You Are Victorious, and it's Overcoming in Christ. Because I think in today's society, all too often, when we talk to Christians, the focus is on one day in heaven. Oh brother, it's going to be so great. One day in heaven there'll be no sickness. And one day in heaven I'll, I'll never be tempted. And one day in heaven I'll, you know, I'm going to overcome everything. And it's true, heaven is a great thing. I don't ever want to downplay it. I am so thankful that I get to spend the rest of eternity in heaven with the rest of you guys. And that's going to be an amazing time. But the truth is that, that even today, instead of always saying one day in heaven, we need to recognize that we can have a little bit of heaven right now on earth. And the truth is that while going to heaven one day is a great thing, that the work that Christ has done in us has meaning and power for us today on this earth. You know, we read a bunch of scriptures that talk about having victory and and being overcomers, and we'll look at them today. But you have to understand that those are for today, because how many know that we're not going to need victory in heaven? There's no point for it. It's already done. Everything will be accomplished. At that point, even the last enemy will be placed as a footstool under Christ's feet. There'll be no need for victory. There'll be no need for forgiveness. There'll be no need for healing. There'll be no need for any of that stuff, because we're already living in that. But today on this earth, we need those things. We need the victory that Christ has got on us if we want to live a powerful and effective Christian life. When we came to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we also have His victory as our victory in this world. We're not just forgiven, which is a great thing. How many know it's a good thing to be forgiven? But we're not just left there. We're not just left as we was. He didn't just wipe the slate clean and said, try to, try to keep your nose clean this time, but He changed us on the inside. He changed us so, so we could keep our nose clean, amen? So we could do the right things. Even He's empowered us to be victorious and to live a godly and holy life. The truth is, there are things in this world that have control and authority over people. But Jesus Christ has given us the victory and authority over those very things that used to have authority over us. Things that previously had us defeated, we are now able to defeat. And those are the things that we see just rampant in this world. Envy, lust, anxiety, addiction, sickness. Anything that can try to take a hold of your life and have some control over it, Christ has given us the victory. And the truth is, you don't even have to look around that far to see all those things active and at work, and and really with a lot of power in this world. If you just look at some of the commercials you see on TV, it's it's amazing at the the control and the power that sexuality and alcohol and all these things, they're they're not even looked at as bad anymore. They're They're marketed as a plus. But the truth is, all these things want to take our focus away from God. They want to keep our eyes off of Him and put them elsewhere because the only way that the enemy can have any sort of success in our life is if we're not looking at Jesus, but instead we're looking at what He has to offer and being deceived into thinking that what He has to offer is in some way better than what Christ has instead offered to us. If we don't spend the time to to look at our Bible and learn who we are in Christ, if we don't, did you know that if you don't realize that you're victorious, then you will live an unvictorious life? If you didn't know, if you were ignorant of that thing, but if you're not ignorant of it, if you spend time on the Word and you begin to realize that you are empowered, that you are victorious, that you are more than a conqueror, that you are an overcomer, when you finally begin to learn those things about yourself, you're like, man, maybe I can live that life. I can do those things. We need to spend time and look at what God has to say about our position and our victory. If we learn just enough to get saved, if we go to a a service one Sunday morning and we get saved, that's an amazing thing. A miracle just took place in your body. But if, if you never get off the start line, if you just stay there, you're missing out of so much that God wants for your life. And I'm a living testament of this. I remember I asked the Lord into my heart for the first time when I was seven years old. I found a little, uh, one of those little Gideon's New Testaments written in King James, English. Like, not the New King James, like the old stuff that nobody can read. And I couldn't, I mean, I can't, I can't understand the New King James, or the, the King James Version nowadays when I read it. I still have a hard time following where it's going. So imagine as a seven-year-old trying to like read through this. I'm like, what? But I knew there was something in there that I needed. I knew there was something that I wanted. 
And I found that in the very back of the book, there was that prayer that you could say. And I said that prayer and I didn't understand, but I knew there was something here that I wanted. That's my journey with God began there. But the problem was for the next 20 years of my life, until I was 27 years old, pretty close to that, I, uh, I sat on the start line. I just stood there. I did nothing. And I never grew from that point. And, and you probably relate. There's probably many people that have done the same thing as you went through your life. And every time someone did an article, you felt bad. You went up there, you rededicated your life, and then you never left the starting line again. And I don't know how many times I've been up to the altar to give, to, to give my life back to the Lord. I can't even count how many times. Matter of fact, there were times that I was doing pretty good and I just did it again to be sure. <laughs> just making because I didn't understand. I didn't know that I could be sure. I never spent time in the Word and recognized that I could be sure that I'm saved. So I was just covering my bases. And for 20 years I lived like that on the start line with just enough faith to be saved. Probably most of the time, not even that. And how do you know that, that God wanted something from my life? I know He did because I finally made it. After kicking and screaming and fighting, I'm, I'm finally doing what God wants in my life. But I wonder, I look back, how much more effective could I have been for the kingdom of heaven if I, would have, if I would have just done it right the first time? If I would have learned who I was in Christ? In 1 John 5, 4-5, through it says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. That's good news. Everyone. Not just some people. Not just the pastors. Not just the super saints. But everyone who is born of God. Are you born of God this morning? If you've been saved, you're born of God. And guess what that means? You overcome the world. It says, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and He died for your sins, and if you've accepted Him as your Savior, you have overcome the world. The truth is that we're soldiers and we're at war right now. Take a moment while I get my notes back <laughs> This is not going to be good. The truth is we're soldiers and we're at war, and the world is constantly trying to overcome us. We are being bombarded by, this, by stuff in this world trying to, to make you feel defeat. But the Word says that we are overcomers, and when you get a revelation of that, you can finally walk in victory in this world. Because the truth is, just by the nature of this, this verse, we recognize that we should enjoy our victory we should we should rejoice that we are overcomers but the only way that you can be an overcomer is if there's tribulation or adversity in your life if you know if you recognize in your life that there's nothing ever wrong there's no trouble there's no adversity there's no tribulation how can you be an overcomer you have nothing to overcome matter of fact the 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 the, the point remains that if you're if you're walking and you're not feeling any resistance, you might want to take a look around. You might be walking in the same direction as the devil instead of walking against him. Because if you're walking against him, you're going to feel the pressure of that. And I thank God that we can overcome because the Bible says that we're overcomers. We're constantly living in a world where we're bombarded with ungodly things. I've got to the point now where on YouTube, they, when you watch YouTube videos, I started putting ads even on YouTube. And every ad that I see now is, is some sort of beer commercial, almost always is a beer commercial, trying to tell me how much better my life would be if I would just drink this Corona or this Bud Light. I mean, look, you get to go to these parties and all these people are having fun. And that's what every ad's about. You know, somehow, if I drink beer, my world would be better. But the, I, it's okay for me because, and, and us in this room, because we recognize that that's a lie of the enemy. We recognize that we can be victorious over these things, but how many know that there's people in this world that don't have that right now? And they're being deceived, and they think that going out and drinking and the girls and all these things is the right thing to do. They think that that's, that that's fun, but the truth is that it's not. That's just, it's passing pleasure, as the Bible calls it. We are constantly being bombarded. This world is constantly evangelizing to us. I would say that this world is probably evangelizing to us even more so than the church is evangelizing to this world at this point. 
And we need to be able to overcome that. We need to be able to be victorious. And the only way we can do that is if we recognize who we are in the world. Because otherwise, if you don't recognize who you are in the Word, but what God says about you, it's so easy to be dragged away and, and wrapped up in these things. And you'll see it today. You actually will see a lot of Christians get drug, drug around in that stuff. See, so the truth is that the things of this world appear, appeal to our old nature and, the, and our old nature, the, the old man who we used to be, the, considers the, the commandments of God to be burdensome. I remember before I got saved, and it's, it's things that many people will say to me now, is like, I don't want to get saved. I mean, I just want to be able to have no fun. Following God's word, I mean, that just seems like such a chore. And that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to make the commandments of God burdensome. He tries to make it seem like it's no fun. When Once you get past that, you look back. I look back and I'm like, man, I'm so thankful that I'm not living that life anymore. I thought it was good, but in retrospect, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I realized I was having a terrible time. But when you get saved, that old nature, the old man dies. He's dead and buried. But there's so many times in our lives, if we're not careful, if we don't uh, spend time to take hold of what's true, what God says about us, we, we let that old man poke his head up from the grave for a little bit. And he, he tries to take control again. And if we're not careful, if we don't stand on the Word of God recognizing that we are overcomers, it's so easy for him to get a hold of us again. But when we're constantly bombarded with these things, and temptation is just popping up everywhere around us and it's increasing day by day as, as all these immoral and ungodly things are becoming the norm. This temptation is rising up around us day by day. How do we overcome these things when, when it seems that everything is against us? And the Bible says that, that our victory that has overcome the world is our faith, our trust in the Word of God, our trust in Him. As I was studying this, I found this, this little uh, story. It says, are you overcoming the world or are you being overcome by the world? There's no mistaking the fact that believers are really warriors in a world that is out to destroy them. Imagine, if you will, a Christian warrior in the heat of battle. The setting is in the believer's home. The believer is in his or her comfortable chair, holding the television remote control and flipping from channel to channel. As the individual flips through the channels, the enemy soon appears. On channel one, profanity abounds and God's name is cursed. On another channel, you see more skin than clothes. On one more channel, morality is mocked as if it were a vice or a sin. And yet another channel, well, you don't want to know what's on that one. Oh, and the list could go on. The Christian believer begins to reel from the blows of the world. He is ever so close to giving up and giving in. It reminds me of a righteous lot living in in uh, uh, Sodom, and he, the Bible says that he was righteous, but he was being pummeled day by day by these things. And the funny thing is, that's what we're dealing with now. And just like in this story, it says that he begins to reel from the blows of the world. He's ever so close to giving up and giving in, and he is drowning in the sewage-filled waves. How can he save himself from the situation? What turns the tide during the believer's battle with the world? Faith, and only faith, will scatter the enemy. And with a mighty sweep of his hand, the Christian warrior presses the off button and thwarts another effort by the world to drag him down. Overcoming faith is believing that God is in control and then acting on it. See, the truth is that our faith in who God is, our faith that we're free, our faith that we're forgiven, our faith that we're overcomers because the Word of God says so is what allows us to, to walk away from these things. And in order for our faith to grow, as we found out that our faith is the key, in order for it to grow, we need to hear the Word. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of Christ. And we need to renew our mind. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to have our, man tra our mind transformed by the Word of God and not by this world. And when we finally do that, we learn that we have become overcomers. And I want you to know that even if you don't feel like an overcomer, even if you don't feel victorious, that doesn't change the truth of the word. You are an overcomer. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. In John 15, 1 through 5, it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself 
unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I want you to know, in order to be victorious in this world, you just need to continue to remain in Jesus. To abide, all that means is to remain in, to continue to stay. Another definition says it means to continue in a particular attitude, condition, or relationship. I thought that was great, to continue in a condition or relationship. We continue in the condition of being made brand new, and we continue in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's to abide in Him, and He will abide in you. And if we'll do that, we'll bear much fruit. But if we won't do that, what does it say? You can do nothing. We are rendered powerless and impotent if we don't abide in Christ and Christ abiding in us. But in Him, we can do anything. How many in here wants to produce? How many wants to be successful? The only way to do that is to remain in Jesus. It's so funny because we sometimes try to subscribe such complication to the Bible. We try to make it so hard. But it's really not. Just remain in Him and Him in you. And that's the key. That's the, the, the way to be successful as a Christian is, is remain in Christ. And in His Word, learn who you are. Yet we want to complicate it by letting down all these rules and all these rituals that we have to follow. These are all the things that we have to do or, or God won't love me anymore. But it really is so simple. Just know and love His Son and His Son will know and love you. And the analogy of a vine and branches is such a fit one because it's one we can easily see. All of us, although maybe more so in other parts of the country with more trees and vines, but, but we all know if you go out front and you, you cut a branch off of your tree and you throw it off to the side, what happens to it? It doesn't get up and replant itself and start to live on its own. It dies. And the same thing happens with us. If, if we remove ourselves from God it's like being removed from the vine and, and we begin to die inside and we can't produce fruit. How many knows that, the, that if you take a, an apple tree and you cut a branch off and you throw it to the side, that, that branch will never produce another apple. It's only the branches that are connected to the tree that can produce fruit. It's the branches that are connected to the tree that can continue to live on in victory. They can continue to live on healthy. They continue to live on being taken care of by the branches, by the, by the, by the, the tree. It gets its nourishment. It gets everything it needs through the tree, which for us in this analogy, that's Jesus. He's given us everything that we need to be successful, to produce fruit, to overcome adversity. But if we remove ourselves from him, then apart from him, we can do nothing. And the truth is the same is, is true for all humanity. It's not just believers. I believe in this case, it's not talking about losing your salvation. It's talking about losing your effectiveness when you're pulled from the tree. But also, the, this world who don't know Jesus, they can do nothing either. They're slaves. They're doomed to failure. They're doomed to hell. The only reason that we overcome this world is because we're no longer a slave to it. But they cannot because they're still a slave to this world. They can't overcome sin because they're still in bondage to it. And they can't stand up to the devil because he has no reason to listen to them. But in Christ, all things are possible. We're no longer a slave to this world because we're not even a part of this world. How many know that you're not a part of this world anymore when you get saved? John, John 17, 16 says this, They are not of this world just as I am not of this world. That's Jesus speaking about us. We're not a slave to this world because we're not even a part of it anymore. We're no longer in bondage to sin. Jesus has set us free. In Romans 6, 17-18 it says, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And that standard of teaching was that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. We're not in bondage to sin anymore because we're in bondage to righteousness. Righteousness is what tells us what we have to do now, not sin. And in James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We have authority over the devil. We can just tell him, get out of here. We, I, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Get out of here, devil. You have no right in my life. 
And all those things are important in recognizing that we are victorious over this world because of Christ inside of us. So the question is, if we, if we recognize that we're victorious, if we recognize all these things, then how do we actually do it? What's the, what's the game plan here? And I'll tell you in a second. There we go. And James, sorry, anybody listening to this is because my, my notes keep turning off. <coughs> then I get weird and paused. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So how do we do it? We persevere. We remain steadfast. And how many know that sometimes that can be a difficult thing? Being steadfast is not easy. It's, all, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very easy for me to stand up here and say, just, just be steadfast. But it's a whole other thing when you've got to live it out, right? I'm not saying it's easy, but it is possible. With Jesus Christ inside of us, we can remain steadfast. And sometimes the world's going to come at you so hard that it just feels like it would be easier to give up. Ask any single mom if there's not times that they're just like, I am done. I'm just going to let the kids do whatever they want. I'm done. It's, it's so hard. I just want to give up. It can be overwhelming. And the truth is, it can be like that for us in this world as believers as well. And you'll even see this attitude in the world from non-believers. Have you ever seen anyone say that, hey, I'm going to hell anyway, so I might as well do what I want? People have that attitude. Or they somehow make hell seem like it's going to be this big party all the time. The truth is, they've just given up. There's nobody in this world that thinks hell is a good place, but somehow we, they try to make it seem better than it is so they can feel comfortable with what they're doing. They've given up. The world has hit them so hard that they don't even know what to do, so they just figure if you can't beat them, join them. But in this case, that's a terrible plan because it's for eternity. It's impossible for them to resist this world, to be steadfast without Jesus. But I thank God that we have Jesus living inside of us and we can remain steadfast. Because the truth is, the same thing is going to happen to believers. When you get saved, it's not perfect from here on out. I think the, the greatest disservice we can do to new believers is, is tell them that as soon as you get saved, nothing bad is ever going to happen. Everything will be perfect. Because it's not true. Matter of fact, when you get saved, you're probably going to face opposition that you would never have faced if you wouldn't have got saved. You've got a, a target on your back from that point forward from the enemy. If, if the enemy's already got you doing what he wants, he doesn't need to attack you. But when he begins to see that, that you're becoming free, he begins to increase in force. And he wants to, to just bombard you with everything that he can to try to steal your joy. He wants to steal that word that's in your life. But I thank God that because we have Christ inside of us, if we'll keep our focus on Him, that we're guaranteed victory, that we're guaranteed. It says that He who has stood the test, and the test is remaining steadfast, right? Under trial, under anything that comes your way, basically under life, if you remain steadfast, you will receive the crown of life. You are guaranteed victory if you will just abide in Him, right? It says God has promised it to those who love Him. You know, when God's promised something, it's, it's not a matter of if. It is. It's a done deal. We're guaranteed victory in the crown of life if we will just soldier on. If we'll just press on, remain steadfast. And Philippians 3.14, Paul said this. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize, for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Even Paul had to remain steadfast. Sometimes we look at these men and women of the Bible and think, oh man, they were just, they were super saints. How, how much easier would my life be if I was like them? But the truth is, they were just like us with all the same problems and the same doubts. And they had to be steadfast and persevere as well. In Philippians 2, 12-13, it says, we find out that we need to be obedient to the Word of God. 
In Philippians 2, verses, uh, chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. If we will remain obedient to the word of God, and we remain, and I'm not, when I say obedient to the word of God, we're not talking the list of do's and don'ts. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions we can have is to be obedient to the Word of God is to, is to you know, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this, and I have to do this, and I have to do that. Now all those things come as a result of being obedient to the Word of God. Being obedient to the Word of God is, is, is understanding that Jesus Christ is your Savior, that He is the only one that can get you into heaven. When we're obedient to the word of God, we recognize that he has made us a brand new person, that the old man is dead and gone, and the new man is there. Being obedient to the word of God is, is to love him. And you'll find that if you'll spend time on the word of God and you recognize who you are in Christ, and you're obedient to the point of, of putting him first, you're surrendering your life to him, then all those other things will come with it if you'll keep your focus on God. Now we are called to be holy. But you can't ever live that life if you're not fully committed to Jesus Christ. He says then that we need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And when he says this, working out your own salvation, he's not suggesting that we work for our salvation. I want to make that very clear. Paul's not saying that you know there's this laundry list of check marks you have to you have to hit to be saved. You don't need to work for your salvation. But the words that are being used there are more along the lines of, of work to completion, your salvation. In other words, we need to grow into the measure and the stature that is Jesus Christ. That we are to remain obedient to his word, obedient to his calling, and grow into the Christian men and women that we're called to be. In Romans 8.29 it says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the first man firstborn among many brothers. We are called to be conformed to his image. And how many know for most people that doesn't happen like a flip of a switch overnight. We grow into that. Working out your own salvation is having a greater revelation of who you are in Christ. As you spend time in his word, as you walk as a believer, as you spend time as other believers, as you spend time under teaching, you begin to learn who you are in Christ. You have a revelation that you are victorious, that you are an overcomer, that you are healed, that you're no longer a slave to sin, but you are free and you're a slave to right. As you have, as you have revelation of these things, that's working out your own salvation. It's working it to completion, pressing on towards the prize. If you recall, even Paul said, I have not attained that yet. But forgetting what lies behind, I, I press forward. Even Paul had not attained that the, the, of being perfect yet, but he pressed on. He was working out his salvation as he pressed on towards it, working through it. Working to completion, which is a much better translation. You see, being obedient, the act of being obedient is just the act of, of, of living in faith. Trusting God. When we are disobedient or, or act in unbelief, we effectively push God away. We effectively limit His ability to work in our lives. Oh, but God can do anything. If He wants to do something in life, He'll just do it. That's true, God can do anything. But He's, he's a perfect gentleman and He's never going to force His way into your life. He's never going to make you do anything. Unless you'll let him work, unless you'll be obedient. And when we're disobedient, when we act in unbelief, we push God away and we limit his ability to work in our lives. But if we will be obedient, if we'll act in belief, if we'll act with faith and trust in him, it says that it is he who works in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God will work through you to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in you. And how many know that in order to accomplish these things, you're going to have to be victorious? When God works through you, you can't help but to be successful. When you allow God to work in your life, success is a given because God's not a failure. God's not incompetent. But if we let him work with us and in us, then we will be successful. 
in Psalms 37, 23 through 24. So we've learned that we are victorious and we've learned how we can do it. And, and this is our, the reason why we can do it. In Psalm 37, 23 through 24, it says this, The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. How many know that, that God delights in you? That God loves you? He delights in your way. It says that the steps of a man are established by the Lord. If you'll keep your focus on him, he will guide you, and he will establish your steps, and then he will delight in them. He's delighted in the work that you're doing for him, and he loves you. If we'll listen to him, he'll make our path known. If we'll just look to him, he will guide our steps and establish them. In Psalms 40, verse 2, it says, He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. And in Psalms 25, 12, it says, Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. You know this who fears the Lord is, is really is who is in awe of the Lord, who trusts the Lord, who's, whose faith is in the Lord. It says Him, He will instruct in the way that He should go. I'm so thankful that if we'll turn our eyes towards God, that He will always guide our steps. And it says He delights in us, He loves us, and He loves walking alongside of us. In Psalms 147.11 it says, But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him, and those who hope in His steadfast love. God takes pleasure in us. I don't know about you guys, but that still blows my mind. God takes pleasure in us. He delights in us. It's like, who am I, God, that you would take pleasure in me? But he does. He loves us. Like any proud father loves their children. And he's also there like any father to make sure that you not stumble so far that you get hurt or destroyed. It says, when he falls, speaking of man, it says he will not be hurled headlong. Why? Because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. And I, I always envision uh, a father teaching his, his son how to walk for the first time. And legs are kind of wobbly and unsteady, but they hold their hand as they're, they're making it a, a, across the, the floor. And he's holding his hand so he doesn't fall. And that's God with us. He's guiding our steps. He's making sure that we're in a, in a safe place to walk and He's holding our hands as we take those wobbly steps. And it doesn't say that He won't ever let them fall. How many know that if you're teaching your kid how to walk, you've got to let them try to get out a little bit on their own a little bit. You have, to let them, you have to let them fall from time to time. If you never let go of their hand, they'll never learn how to walk. It doesn't say he doesn't let you fall, but it says when he does fall, he makes sure that you're not hurled headlong. Like, when, like that same example of a father walking, holding the son's hands, and he lets go for a second, and when he falls on his butt, he makes sure that he's not going to smash his head on the coffee table, right? He makes sure that he's not going to get seriously injured, but he's going to let him fall because he has to learn. He has to grow. But God is there with us, delighting in our ways. Like a father, when the, when the son takes the first step, do you remember when your kids took the first step, how excited you were, and you were delighted in their steps and their ways? God is the same way with us. But he makes sure that we're not hurt beyond repair. And the truth is, just like that little child, falling down is not failure. As long as we'll get back up, it's not failure. Temporary setbacks does not mean the enemy is victorious and that you are not. How many of you have from time to time not felt victorious in your Christian walk? How many of you know that doesn't change the fact that you are? Exactly. You are victorious whether you feel like it or not. The only time that you will ever fail is if you don't get back up. That's the only true failure is not getting back up. Temporary setbacks do not nullify our victory in Christ if we will continue to get back up. In Jude one twenty four through 25 and if anybody have heard me preach this verse before, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, Now him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Lord through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, domain, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Did you know that as a believer you can live your life completely without sin? 
Many would say it's impossible. But we're completely victorious in Jesus Christ. We have been made completely free. It says that He is able to keep you from stumbling. But you might go, but wait a minute. I'm pretty sure I've stumbled from time to time. If He is able to keep me from stumbling, why have I stumbled? And it's pretty simple to me because I look at my life and every time I've stumbled, I'm walking good. I'm I'm walking in line with God. I'm walking holy. My eyes are on Him. And the only time I stumble is when my eyes go from Him to somewhere else. And then I'll stumble. But as long as you'll keep your eyes on the Lord, you'll remain in Him, you'll remain steadfast in Him, you'll abide in Him, you will not stumble. I believe that if your focus is on Jesus Christ, it is impossible to sin. If you ever feel temptation coming, just begin to praise the Lord. Put your focus back on God because the only way you can sin at that point is if you look away from God. I never like it when people speak of sin as like it's inevitable. You know, you'll, you'll have a, a new person get saved and, and people think they're encouraging them by saying stuff like, you're going to sin, but don't worry about it, you're forgiven. Or, when you sin, don't worry, God still loves you. And the truth is, those statements are true. If you sin, God will love you. If you sin, you're still forgiven. But notice the difference in the words that I used. The words that many people use is when, and I'm saying if. The truth is, People say things like it's a requirement, like it's an impossibility to live your life without sin. But the truth is that, that we can live without sin. And I thank God that when we, when we do fall, when we do stumble, that, that we have an advocate in Christ, that we can get back up. But it doesn't mean it's not possible for Christians to live without sin. And truthfully, I recognize that it's unlikely that we will live our lives in the reality of our complete victory. But it is possible if we'll just keep our focus on Him. Like I said, even Paul said that he had not attained it yet. But the truth is, we can live our lives in complete victory if we'll keep our focus on Him. If we keep our eyes firmly planted on Him, we will not sin because it's impossible to sin with our eyes on God. Every time I've ever sinned in my life, it's because I've looked away from God. And every time that my eyes are on Him, it's impossible to. In Romans 8, 31-34, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who, is in, who indeed is interceding for us. What great news is it that if God is on your side, that nothing can come against you? And let me rephrase that. Stuff will come against you, but nothing can be victorious in coming against you. <laughs> and if He even gave His Son for us, it says, Right here, if He gave His Son for us, how will He not give us with Him graciously all things? And all, included in all those things is victory. God has given us victory in His Son. And no one can say that we are not victorious. No one cannot say that we're clean and pure. The Bible says that no one can bring a charge against us. It says, who will bring any charge against God elect? Nobody can. This, this is a, one of those rhetorical questions. This isn't, this isn't meant to be, oh, he can. It's to say, no, my point is, is that nobody can bring a charge against God's elect. Because it's God who justifies. You guys ever seen the movie A Knight's Tale? Have you ever seen that? Great movie. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it as soon as you get home. A Knight's Tale? Fantastic movie. It's got uh, Heath Ledger as the, the main guy in it and... It's just ridiculous. It's like an old-time night movie, but when they're playing the horns and stuff, like electric guitar sounds are coming out of it. It's just funny. But it's a really good movie. But anyway, the story is, is this guy, Heath Ledger's playing a guy named William, and he's pretending to be a knight. And he wants to change his stars. You know, he wants to become, get away from just a poverty-stricken squire, and he wants to become a knight. So his... uh, his, the guy that he was serving under the night dies of natural causes, so he kind of assumes his identity. And the whole movie is about him being a knight and trying to go through and rising up through the ranks and all these things. Well, anyway, he gets found out because 
there's a, one guy that just can't beat him in the tournament, so he, he finds out about him, and he's in, he's in the stocks. You know, and people are throwing fruit at him as they do in medieval times when you're in the stocks. And, and Prince Edward walks up to him, and they've interacted a few times in the movie, but ultimately this is what Prince Edward says to him. He says to the crowd who's around him, he says, he may appear to be of humble origins, but my personal historians have discovered that he is descendant from an ancient royal line. This is my word, and as such, it is beyond contestation. And I find that was, that's just the perfect example of God. He says that these children of mine are forgiven, and it is my word, and as such, it is beyond contestation. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? beyond contestation. When God says something, when you read something in the Bible and you, you begin to learn who you are, it's beyond contestation. It is the truth. Nothing can change that. If God justifies you, it is God who justifies. Who can claim that you're unjust? If God says you are victorious, that you are an overcomer, that you are more than a conqueror, who can say otherwise? And a great thing is that if anybody tries, it is Jesus who died and more than that was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. Even if anybody tries to bring a charge against us, anybody, if anybody tries to do these things, Jesus is like, no, 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 not in my house. I just had to crack myself up, Clef. You seen the Geico commercial with the, the big black guys always blocking shots? No, 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 not in my house. <sighs> Everybody laughed after I explained it. <laughs> oh, thank you guys for loving me anyway. In 2 Corinthians 2.14, it says, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in a triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. In Christ, we are triumphant. We are always led in a triumphal procession. Our victory and our triumph also isn't in and of ourselves, but it's in Christ. We can't be victorious on our own. But in Christ, we definitely are. And God always leads us to victory. In Christ, there is no defeat. There is no failure. See, the operative word here is Christ always leads us in a triumphal procession. Other, other translations say that he always leads us in triumph. The point is, is that he always makes us victorious and triumphant. And then I find the great thing is that because of this it's through us that he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. The knowledge of Christ is spread by us because we're victorious. People look at our lives and say, man, I want what they have. That's also why you, you make a, a poor witness when, you're, when you claim to be a Christian and you don't live the Christian life because you're like, why would I want to be a Christian? He's no different than I am. I'll just not be one. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says this. It says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We're an ambassador for Christ. And He's spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere through us. In Matthew 5.14-16, you've heard this one before. It says, You're a light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. It gives lights to all houses gives lights to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good work and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, we're victorious in Christ to bring glory to God. As people see it, that they will give glory to our Father who is in heaven because of His work inside of us. And then we find out some great news that even though we're victorious, that, that it's not over for us should we ever fall. Micah, in verse seven, uh, Micah 7, 8, Micah says this. He says, Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. This is such a, uh, a fantastic attitude that Micah has. Because failure, falling does not mean failure. Failure only occurs when we don't give up. And Micah recognized that, that a stumble did not constitute failure. 
defeat. He says, don't rejoice over me enemy, when I fall because it's not over. It's not over. I'm, I'm still victorious. Don't rejoice over me. When I fall, I shall rise. He says, even when I sit in darkness, those, the darkest parts of my life, don't rejoice over me because the Lord will be a light to me and he will guide me out of this place. In Proverbs 24, 16, it says, For the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumbles in a time of calamity. You can be righteous and fall. And you'll remain righteous as long as you stay, as long as you get up again. The righteous man falls seven times, but he rises again. It's the wicked man who stumbles and stays down. So the question is, what if I keep falling? What if there's something that I just, I'm having trouble, I'm having trouble with? What if I keep falling? Keep getting back up. Always keep getting back up. The only way you will fail, the only way that you will not have victory is if you don't get back up. I was reading about a man who got saved and he was addicted to smoking. And after he got saved, he had the desire to smoke a cigarette at his, at his work and he worked by a river. And he's like, no, you know what, I'm done with this. And he walked out to the river with his pack of cigarettes and he threw them in one by one. And every time he threw them in, he says, whom the sun sets free is free indeed throw it in the river, pull one out. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed, and he would throw it out. He would declare his victory over the thing that was trying to have a hold over him. And even though it was trying to get in his life, he, he got back up. And he didn't let him hold it down. And that's, that's John 8.36 that that scripture comes from. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Matter of fact, I, I, was, I was so just wowed at the simpleness of that story that I've, I found that now when temptation comes to my life, that's just what I repeat, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So incredibly simple, but so incredibly effective because it puts my focus back on Christ and what He's done inside of me. But something else we need to recognize with these scriptures too is that if we witness another's falling, that we're not to ostracize them, we're not to, to kick them while they're down. Someone said that it, it's strange that the Christians so often shoot their wounded. But as Christians, we should, rather than shooting our wounded, we should be helping them get back up. We should speak the truth in love. And what have we talked about what that is before? The truth is not telling them how wrong what they're doing is. The truth in love is saying, no, you are victorious. You are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer, and Christ will always lead you in triumph. You are free from this. You are, are, are whole. You are restored. That's speaking the truth in love as we help them get back up. Because as long as they get back up, they are victorious. In Galatians 2.20 it says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live in, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. See, the key, the true key to, to living in victory is realizing that it's not really you who are living anymore at all, but it's Christ living through you. You've been made brand new. You have the Spirit of Christ living inside of you. When we baptize people, that's actually what we're, we're celebrating. Baptism is really just a good old-fashioned funeral. It's celebrating the death of your old person, and when we put you under the water, it's celebrating burying that old man and when you're raised up out of the water, that's celebrating the newness of life that you have. The old man, the old person, dead and gone, you are brand new in Christ. And it's no longer you who live, but it's Christ who lives in you. And this is all done in faith. We live by Christ, by faith. We died with Him by faith. We were buried with Him by faith. And we rose again to newness of life. By faith. And you remember the scripture we looked at there in the very beginning? It's our faith that overcomes the world. You see, this is key because Jesus never sinned. Jesus never failed. Jesus was always victorious. And because of that, when it's Christ who lives in you, then you are all those things as well. It's true that if it was up to us on our own devices... We would be defeated at every turn. We could never have victory if it was up to us. But I thank God that God made provision. 
that he gave us a brand new life so that we could live in victory. And 1 John 4, 4 says, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You know, when the enemy comes rare in his ugly head, just tell him, you know, greater is he than is in me than you who are in this world. You don't stand a chance. I got a heavyweight in my corner. You got a glass jaw. I better back up. Because he that is in us, we are overcomers. It says we have, we have overcome them. And what he's talking about here, if you, you read in this, the scriptures right before it, he's talking about spirits of this world who, who don't confess Jesus Christ as Lord. He's talking about the spirit of the Antichrist, which is every spirit who does not confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Basically, it's, it's the spirit of this world that we have overcome. We have overcome all of those things because of he who is in us. And the last scripture we're going to look at today is Romans 8, 37 through 39. It says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when he says these things, and and all these things that we are more than conquerors. Here, let me read the scripture that he's talking about. It's in verse 35. Romans 8, 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? It pretty much covers everything. But what does it say? It says that we are more than conquerors. We're not even just simply conquerors. We are more than conquerors. We didn't just, you know, just barely defeated by the skin of our neck, by the skin of our teeth, but we annihilated it. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. In Christ, we are more than conquerors. Because of Jesus Christ, we are completely victorious in this world by our faith in Him. And then even better than that, in all of our victory and all of that, Nothing can ever come against us that will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nothing that can stop this to separate it. Just like we read earlier, because it's God's Word, it bears no contestation. I want you to know today that you are victorious, whether you feel like it or not. Even when you have a stumble, you are still victorious. Just get back up. And you'll find that if you get a revelation of this, if you not just hear it because it's the words I'm saying, words on a page, you can understand this intellectually and still not get it. But if you get a revelation of this, you'll begin to live a life that you've never imagined you could live. You'll begin to live without sin. You'll begin to recognize that you are victorious no matter what anybody says because God says it's true. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet.